Actually, the title of today's talk, hopefully quite short, is uh, The Beach. The Beach. Okay. Um, and let us go to uh, Ecclesiastes 5. Way back there in the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes 5. And uh, verse 10. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 says, uh, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Okay, and yet, uh, of course, we live in a world which chases silver. Ecclesiastes uh, was written, uh, getting on for, I guess, uh, 3,000 years ago by Solomon, uh, the preacher, and uh, it hasn't changed. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. The more you get, the less satisfied you are nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. And yet man substitutes need for greed. You've got to have more. If we go now, very quickly, to Matthew 19, we'll see a kind of a separation here. So that's, if you like, the world, the world caught in their trap, Verse 23 of Matthew 19 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, truly I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So that's a separation. That's in the Old Testament, Solomon saying, this is what man does. He chases silver and he's never satisfied. He can never get enough. He chases things, material world, and he can never get enough of it. 
Then we come to the New Testament and Jesus is speaking. And said, it is very hard for a rich man to break away from that and get into the kingdom of heaven. And Peter pipes up and says, look, we've left everything for you, Lord. What shall we have? And what the Lord says to him is, you shall have everything. If you have left everything for me, then you shall inherit everything that makes sense. It is a separation. It's a crossing over point. It's a beach in your life. B-E-A-C-H. At kids camp, we went up to Morecambe Bay, right on the coast. And at dawn, or a little after dawn, at 8 o'clock, we would go down to the beach. And we would pray. And we would sing choruses. And one of the brothers would have a sort of thought for the day. And it didn't matter if it was cold, or sunny, or frosty, or even raining. We would go down there and stand on the beach. And it's a very powerful symbol. Because you see, in the Bible, the sea is a symbol for the world. And our beach was an interesting beach because it was of rock. It's a rocky outcrop coming down. So you've got people who are standing on the rock, on the shore, contemplating the world, that which they have left. And that world can look beautiful. And there were days when we went down the beach, it shone, it was so still that the clouds were reflected in it. It was calm, a wonderful thing to look upon, a thing of great beauty. And yet Morecambe Bay, of course, is famous because it's treacherous. Uh, Many people have been drowned in Morecambe Bay. It looks wonderful, it looks safe. It's full of quicksand, it's full of fast currents and swift tides. It's like the world symbolized. Sometimes it's stormy, sometimes it's calm, but it is always the world. And we stood on the beach and we sang choruses to the Lord. And we prayed, and someone would talk about the Lord. And at our feet were these sort of things, washed up among the rocks. I have some props here. It's a teapot handle of no fixed age, and you won't get much for that on eBay. Try, okay? Someone will buy it, okay? Pottery among the rocks. Beautiful plates. One of the Dutch saints said it was Delft. Dutch pottery. You can tell by the blue and the colour and the patterns. And look at it. Brilliantly made. You can just see among the shards of the pottery the work that's gone into it. The design, the pattern. It's full of promise. Uh, The skill of man has gone into that. Uh, They're broken dreams washed up on the beach among all the other stuff even dead birds and seaweed and sticks and stuff up from the world the abundance of increase the search for silver at our feet while we praise the Lord we were separate we were praising God the world on that side the rock 
on the other. It's wonderful. We went, did it every day, and we were like almost a living symbol of where we are in the Lord. We haven't yet made it. We're filled with the Spirit of God. We can pray in tongues. If the mind of Christ, obedient to the Lord, and we stand on the shore, away from the treachery of the world, but we still have the free will to go there. And we can look up and see the rocky cliff. And out of the one cliff above us, there was this tree growing. I think Dan Cashford pointed it out on the last day. This tree was welded to the rock. It was growing up out of the rock, a great pine tree. And over there, across the bay, where the rock stopped, there was another tree growing. This tree was growing on sandy soil. And the waves from the world, the waves had beaten against the cliff and hollowed out right underneath the tree. So the sandy soil had given away. The tree was still standing, but the tree was doomed to fall. As the brother said, I bet when we come back next year, that tree will have gone. Because although it wasn't part of the world, it wasn't part of the sea, it was destined to become part of it. It had made it stand in the wrong place. It hadn't made it stand on the rock. It could not stand. It was doomed to fall. That is why we say to uh, folks who come along, we only preach two messages. How to get saved, how to stand on the shore, and how to stay saved, how to stand upon the rock. How to get saved and how to stay saved. The biggest and the first heresy in the Bible was once saved, always saved. Once you are saved, you can do what you like. Because the Lord has called you and the Lord will look after you and you are sealed with the Holy Ghost. And sin has no more power over you. Therefore, do what you like. It was the first heresy. Well, if you do that, you are like a tree growing on sandy soil. The world will beat against you, will undermine you, because you are now a servant of sin once more. And you will fall. But if you say, now I am saved, I must stay saved then you are like a tree growing out of the rock. The world can beat upon you, but you will stand because it cannot break the rock. Let's go to uh, another scripture. If we go very quickly. Oh, running out of time already. Um, Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians 6. Actually, as Joy was saying in her testimony, it was amazing that um, we would get up, uh, the helpers at the camp would get up at about uh, quarter to seven, seven o'clock, and we would find in the prayer room the children already praying, praying for those other children to receive the Spirit, praying to get ready to go down to the beach to pray. You can't beat that. How is that for the first fruits of the day? How is that when the master learns from the pupil? 
And that is what we were aiming to achieve at that kids' camp, when the children teach the parents. When the children learn from what they are taught and then take it on another step so that the parents say, Aha, now we learn from the children. And if we go to Second uh, Corinthians 6, It says in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Now we preach, if you're new here today, we preach that gospel. That verse is repeated again and again in the Bible in its meaning. It is separation. It is a spiritual beach that a Christian makes a stand on or her stand on. You cannot be a Christian and trade off with the world against the things you have learned in the spirit. You cannot be in a church where a halfway gospel is preached. What does Paul say in Galatians 1? That if any man come preaching another gospel than the one you have learned from him, even though he be an angel of light, let him be accursed. And Paul repeats it again. I say, let him be accursed. Separation is critical to survival. In the same way that that tree standing on that rock could not function if it was under the sea. The salt would kill it. It could not live, even though it was standing on the rock. It must be separate from the world. And our gospel is the gospel that we find in this book, the Bible. And the Bible is a separator. The Bible basically says, do you want to live forever or don't you? Do you want to worship God or do you want to worship Baal, the false god? The Lord says, make up your mind. He says, ho, come, buy from me wine without price. It's free. Do you want it? But if you want it, you must obey the rules. Very simple rules. You must repent, that is, turn away. You must be baptized, that is, dipped in water. Full immersion. Same word baptismo means like they used in, when they were dyeing cloth in the great vats. It's the same word. They dipped the cloth until it changed color completely in the vats. You must repent. You must be baptized. You must receive the Holy Ghost. And how do you know? You speak in tongues. The Bible tells you that. And your own experience will tell you that when you receive the Holy Ghost. And it says in verse 15, And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No wonder we are called to be separate. We are children of the impossible. That's an impossible process, isn't it? That God 
the Spirit of God could come and indwell each one of us. And that God, who is a spirit and undying, could say to mortal men and women, you shall be my children, you shall be my sons and daughters, and you shall live with me forever in peace in the kingdom of heaven. That's impossible. Yes, as Christ said back in Matthew, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, as we heard this morning. But to make your stand on the beach, you must believe that. You must believe it. And your belief requires action. You must walk in the Spirit. You can't sit there today, and I cannot stand here today, and read those words, and hear those words, and then not put them into action. Because then, guess what happens? You deny Christ. We read about healings that Christ would come up to anyone who came to him and either lay hands on them or speak to them and they would be wonderfully healed. They're in the book. Is that in your life? If that is not in your life, it's not God's problem. It's your problem. You must, says the Bible, walk by faith. The just shall live and shall walk by faith. That's standing on the beach. That's standing on the beach and choruses praising God. That's standing on the beach and talking about the Lord. That's standing on the beach and praying to the Lord. And that's going down to the beach no matter what the weather and that's going down to the beach no matter what the passers-by say. First day we went down to the beach, was it the first or second day? There were four people stood there and like, wow, what's that? They could hear the praying in tongues. Four passers-by and stood there, stood there and then moved on. But we still go back. We can be a gazing stock. We can be mocked. We can be told we're a cult. We're a sect. We're crazies. They said the same thing about Jesus Christ. They said the same thing about the early church. Early church was called a sect. Jesus was told he had a devil. But you still go down to the beach. You still stand. You still praise God. You still stay away from the world and look up at the rock. You still say separate. There's no good saying hallelujah if you don't live hallelujah. There's no good saying, yes, I think these are wonderful stories about healings. These are wonderful testimonies about the miracle of God. This is fantastic. Jesus walked on water. This is fantastic. He fed the 5,000. This is fantastic. Peter just spoke. And the man, lame from birth, sprung to his feet. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. Paul just raised the dead by praying for them. Anyone who came near them, Paul could do it. Oh, isn't that great? 
Now I've got a problem. Am I going to do the same thing? Am I going to say, well, Lord, you're going to do it for me because I'm one of your children. You're standing on the beach. You've been praising the Lord. You've come there faithfully every day in your walk and you're standing on the beach and you've got your back to the world and you're looking up at the rock and now you've got a problem. You've got a cancer. You've got a job problem. You've got a financial problem. You've got a broken leg. You've got a cold that won't go away. What are you going to do? Are you going to turn to the world and walk from the beach into the world and say, I think I can find a solution here which most people go looking for? Or are you going to turn your back on the world and look up at the tree grown out of the rock and say, that's where life is, that's where the Lord is, that's where I am. And in this book it tells me every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. We heard last night down at Gillingham about Otto Visser, uh, Pastor Pete's brother, giving his testimony. Uh, Non-Hodgkinson's lymphoma cancer. The doctor said, you're going to die. And he lived after prayer. And then it came back again. And it came back with a huge lump on the side of his, his uh, neck. Massive lump. You've all seen the photos. And the doctor said, you're going to die. And Pastor Pete even said, boy, it looks like, how's that going to go? And it was like wood. And it had burst and it was bleeding and it was huge. How's that going to go? And they prayed. And it went. On Saturday morning it was there and on Saturday night it had gone. And the toxins pouring through his body so rapidly nearly killed him. And the nursing staff expected him to die at any moment. And they were praying and he lived. And he stood up and he declared, if you like, that he had stood on the beach and turned and looked at the rock. That he had abandoned medical treatment. Now we don't condemn anyone who decides to go down the medical route at all. I know what that's like. Doctors know a huge amount of things and can do a wonderful amount of things. Luke was a doctor. But he was a man faced with death. And he decided that God, whose name is Jehovah Ratha, the God that heals, the great physician, I'll take my chance with the rock. What happened? A year or so later, back it comes again. Back it comes again. This time it hits his lung. His whole left lung turns into like a lump of wood. They say, that's it, mate, you're gone this time. There is no recovery. If non-Hodgkinson's lymphoma hits you once, there's a chance you just might recover. It's pretty rare. If it hits you again, you're a dead man. This is the third time. What do you do? What do you do? Do you go off the beach and wade into the world and say, guys, you were right all along and drown in the salt water? Or do you stand on the beach, choruses, teaching, prayer, you turn, you look up at the tree on the rock and say, no, 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 like Otto Visser did. Went back to the doctor after some prayer. You know what the doctor said? 
your lung is perfect. It's gone. As Pastor Pete was saying to me yesterday, and the doctor, who's a senior oncologist, a senior, senior cancer expert in Holland, said, I cannot understand this. Well, we can understand it. We can understand it. Because just like those young people at Morecambe, who were prepared to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, no one told them to. Why did they get up at 7 o'clock in the morning? Because they had vision. Why did they get up at 7 o'clock in the morning? Because they knew prayer works. Why did they put us to shame? Because the Bible says, unless you become like little children, unless you are turned and converted and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Have faith. Have faith. That's what the Lord said. Walk in faith. The just shall live by faith. You'll live by getting your victory over the illnesses and the afflictions and the tribulations and the infirmities. And then you'll live with a capital L by entering the kingdom of heaven. You know, we've got a marvelous father as a God. There they are in Ecclesiastes, striving after silver and they are never satisfied and striving after abundance and increase doesn't matter. Think Bill Gates is happy? How many pairs of trousers can you wear at one time? Same as me. How many cappuccinos can this man hold at one time? He holds one, I hold two. <laughs> Do you think they're happy? Do you know what the Father says to us? To him who has not, even what he hath or seems to have, will be taken away. And to him who has will even more be given. You know, the Lord wants us not only to be amazingly blessed in this life and amazingly protected and amazingly provided for and amazingly healed and with joy unspeakable in this life. That's pretty good, isn't it? Imagine if you lived like that for 80 years, 90 years, like that. Not a care in the world, blessed, protected, with joy unspeakable, healed at every point. That's pretty good, isn't it? Not enough for the Father. Doesn't even begin. What does the Father say? I'm going to enter you into a world which goes on and on and on forever and ever and ever beyond your wildest dreams. So the things of earth will just fade away and you'll forget them. You're going to enter eternal life with me as my children. Pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. All for free. And that's why we stand on the beach every morning. That's why we make that sort of commitment. That's why some of us even are in the prayer room at 7 o'clock before we go down the beach because we know a good deal when we see one. Last scripture. This is the package deal. Good deals come in small packages. And this one is uh, repeated again and again. In Acts 2, if you're here today and you're not baptized and you're not spirit-filled, this is the package deal. 
And I'd say to you too that if you're here today and you were baptised but you were baptised by someone not preaching this gospel then you would need to make your baptism safe. Because remember, if anyone doesn't preach this gospel the Lord regards them as accursed. So here we go in Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as the many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles standing on the beach every morning singing choruses teaching praying to God and seeing the broken dreams at their feet washed up by the world Amen Amen Hand over to Pastor Yomi Pastor Yomi